Hi, I'm Ellen. And I'm Alex. And this is the Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast, where we talk about all things books. This week, we are talking about book three of the Nine Realms series, A Broken Queen by Sarah Kosloff. And I think the phrase across the top of the cover really says it all in terms of summing up what's, what the book is about. It says, not all scars are visible. This book is really delving into the character Cerulea's recovery from being um, injured at the very end of the previous book Mm -hmm. and both her emotional as well as physical journey to uh, try to find her way back to her throne Mm -hmm. as well as then you know following the stories of a lot of the other characters that we have seen in the previous two books so far. I would also go so far as to say that it talks about some not just her healing but some of the other raiders and stuff like that. It goes through some healing That's stories for them it, too. It talks, yes, a lot about the after effects of war and battle and the different scars that people get. Mm-hmm. And yes, it does a very good job of going through all different sorts of traumas and yeah. healing. And oh my gosh. Um, it was so good. I know. Yes, I agree. So. <laughs> Yes, um, I do. This should come as no surprise to anyone who has listened to our previous two episodes. Um, but Cerulea was my favorite yet again, this book. I'm noticing a little bit of a trend. <laughs> um, I just yet again was struck by her her character development and her growth um, sort of throughout the story and... Um, Especially by the end of the story, I was sort of on the edge of my seat and, and, uh, book, I should say, not story. Because there's one more book, so her story's not done yet. Um, but by the end of, I mean, I guess I should say I assume her story's not done yet. I, (laughs) I guess I can't say for sure. Um, but. I'd say that's a pretty fair assumption to make, that there's still another book in the series, so she will therefore be in the next book. Oh gosh, I think, I hope so. Yeah, never, never assume (laughs) make an ass out of you and me but in this instance I think it seems like a safe one it's appropriate (laughs) um how about you Alex who is your favorite so I had the same thoughts that you did really about Cerulea Mm -hmm. being um just a really great example of perseverance and personal growth in conjunction with overcoming physical and emotional traumas yeah, and having the combination of those, the personal growth in parallel to her healing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think personally, I just really connected with that because I'm also in a place where that's happening for me over the past couple of years. And so to me, I was like, wow, I see myself in that character. Yeah. That's really cool because I think she's, you know, I've, she's been one of my favorite characters in some of the previous books too. So to have one of my favorite characters already then really be relatable Mm -hmm. was really cool for me because I, I am in a very unique situation and therefore, you know, as a young person with chronic illness issues yeah. to 
you know, not have a lot of stories to relate to, you know? Absolutely. So I really liked that aspect of this book and yeah. her character. Yeah, absolutely. So <sighs> now that we've gotten past that deep little revelation right there. Oh, quick side note. I'm so sorry. Quick side note. Um, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> oh, you're about to do that. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Yes. Um, no, it's, I mean, it, we, we are both clearly very excited to speak about this book. Um, quick spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to one of our previous episodes, I mean, you should, but if you, <laughs> if you haven't, we will be talking about the book pretty in depth. Um, so if you don't like spoilers, please stop, um, come back. Yeah, maybe you should have stopped earlier think, before we started even talking about our favorite characters but that's I think, awful I think I think for the most part though it was still relatively spoiler free like there's four books in the series the main character is probably not going to die in the third book like <laughs> but if you don't like spoilers pause come back go read the book come back join us if you don't care about spoilers good because oops <laughs> um Oh, goodness. Um, okay, so what were you saying before I was like, ooh, we forgot our spoiler alert. Oh, I was just about to go into asking what your favorite part was. Ah, uh, yes. Well, uh, yet again, uh, kind of like seems to be our pattern these days. Mine was a tiny bit of, um, technically it was two different parts, but it was along the same theme. Um, and... It was all of the reunions that we got in this book. Um, whether it was Thalen with his brother, um, Hake, and then uh, Quinneth? Quinleth? Quinneth, right? Yeah, like yes. th that was wonderful. Um, Thalen and his uh, aunt and father, though heartbreaking, was also mm -hmm. beautiful. Um, and then Cerulea with Stalia, Percy, uh, and Tillam. Um, and then Cerulea with Nana. Um, okay. <laughs> and they've just, it's what I've been waiting for, that I had been hoping would be able to happen. And the fact that it was able to happen, yes, with some outside pressure that we know is there that or that will eventually be there but is not mm -hmm. there at that present point was so beautiful because so often we get scenes like that but it's like they don't get the full amount of time to 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 revel in their reunion because mm -hmm. xyz is about to happen um and in this these cases they got to have that time to reunite and to process feelings and to, um, all of that. <clears throat> um, and we can talk more about it later. Uh, cause I have some notes about some of those scenes too. Um, but they were just my favorites. I just mm -hmm. loved them so much. Um, what about you? Understandable. So for me, I know I've been on the trend of having favorite parts, mm -hmm. but this time I actually had a favorite part. Singular. Ooh. Look at so, you getting all fancy. <laughs> I know. I'm just, you know, fucking all trends, just going out on my own. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite part was 
demonstrating just how loving and trusting dogs are. And it really just, the scene just really got to me, especially since we lost our family dog this year. And I've just been, like, I think even more so now, I just pay even more attention to other people's dogs than I did before. And, like, that was, even before, it was, like, an obsessive level of paying attention to dogs. So now (laughs) I don't know what this next level is that I'm currently at. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, maybe not healthy, but that's okay. But back to the the storyline. So, (laughs) (laughs) so there's a part where... Cerulea is trying to get ready to leave her the healing um, house that she's been in to go on the ship to finally go back to Warendale and try to take the throne. Mm -hmm. And she's found this dog who had been basically in a slaughterhouse and Mm -hmm. had been like caged up with a bunch of other dogs. And so he had been mistreated, had been in a cage, and yet he's trusting enough when Cerulea asks him to, like, go into this basket that's yeah. going to be closed, like a cage, mm-hmm. and she asks him to do it, and he just, like, fully trusting her, was like, okay, sure, I'll try this. Yeah. Even though he had just been abused and caged previously. It Absolutely. just really struck me as such a great example of how amazing dogs are. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yes! Of course he would. He's the best. <laughs> He's the best dog she's had yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. So, That's hilarious. Um, so that was my favorite part. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, dogs are awesome. <laughs> <They> are. I... <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, so my favorite quote singular me too um so i think what happened here was uh in this book there were many quotes that made me like sit back and think but they were kind of similar to some of my favorites from the other two books so i wanted to um i really loved them but i was like let's try to branch out let's not be (laughs) let's not be as repetitive as you're feeling in your heart which of course is fine and like be repetitive if you want to be, but I wanted to try to be a little more, you know, I don't know. I wanted to be more exciting. So I have one singular quote. Now it's really funny because it is just the epilogue is my favorite okay. quote. Um, but um, it gave me chills and. Um, I agree. I also had a note about how I loved like, loved, loved that a lot. Yeah, and it brought me back to the first page of the first book, you know, mm-hmm. so I'll just read it here real quick. Now, to everyone, hopefully you've already read the book, but the epilogue is, like, four paragraphs. It's not, it's not, like, a chapter-long epilogue, <laughs> but it says, uh, the four catamounts stalk the Weirindale throne room. Sometimes they switch their tails in anger. Sometimes they rub their bodies against the throne's leg or scratch their faces on its arm. On occasion, they roar in vexation. The dusty throne sits empty. The room shouts its stillness and quiet, locked tight. With long tongues lapping, the catamounts drink from the pool under the dedication basin. 
These last days, the air currents that filter into the room have offered many new scents, but the mountain lions ignored them. Finally, a waft from the gardens bring... Oh my gosh, I'm getting choked up because I'm excited. <laughs> Finally, a waft from the gardens brings them a hint not only of new-grown greenery, but of something long-awaited. The catamounts twitch their whiskers and taste the breeze. Their ears twist backwards and for- backward and forward, scanning for a particular quality of voice. All of their ears point east. They stretch their claws out and knead the hard marble floor. They purr. And I was like, oh. <laughs> right? It just, like, the, the book ends in such a way that I'm both, like, more at rest than I was with the last book mm-hmm. because that was just such a terrible cliffhanger where you're like, she lives, right? I think, maybe? Right. But then at the same time, it also just, yeah, it gives you goosebumps of, like, trying to anticipate what's going to happen next. Yeah. Because while technically all the characters are safe at the end of this book, like, the epilogue really just gets you really excited for the next one yes absolutely so what was your favorite quote or quotes so my i only had one favorite quote look at us we're getting so good at this and i'm gonna say that very knowing very well that probably it'll be multiple at least for me next time that's okay you know progress is made in stages and there's not a straight line (laughs) typically there are ebbs and flows and bumps Yeah. (laughs) So, anyways, back to my favorite quote. Yes. It is um, when Cerulea is on her way home, Mm -hmm. and she's, they spend time on a boat uh, to get back to Warrendale, and... I think I know exactly which quote this is. Yeah, so it talks about how when she was in the healing house, she really made a lot of progress and really healed, Mm -hmm. but on the ship with this bodyguard where mm-hmm. she does a lot of training to learn mm-hmm. how to defend herself. She's really, you know, allowing her body to rebuild, yeah. you know, rebuild a lot of muscle. And so as well as just her spirit too. And so this quote is just a sentence, but I thought it was such a great description of healing Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I really related to it as, yeah. you know, someone with chronic Lyme working on my own personal healing. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So the quote is, as after a long winter, a half grown tree stretches in the spring warmth and puts out new shoots. So the young woman knew herself to be flourishing in the sea air and sunshine. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, yeah, I thought it was such a great description of someone even having the ability to recognize that they've made progress and that they're healing because that too can also be really difficult absolutely um, to recognize yourself versus someone else you know telling you right yeah so absolutely I also loved that loved that quote um but I did not write it down because I had other things to do, a.k.a. read more. <laughs> yeah, so actually, surprisingly, well, I guess not surprisingly, this book, I had more notes than the previous book. Okay. And I think it's because, 
while there was a lot going on in this book, Mm -hmm. it wasn't the same, like, battle action. Right. It was a different kind of... there was action, Mm -hmm. but it was not, like, people are dying left and right action. Right? Yeah. So... I was able to put the book down and actually take notes sure. more so than the last book where yeah. I was like, no, I need to keep reading. If this person <laughs> will die, I have to keep turning the page so I know. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I totally a hundred percent understand and agree. Um, so it's really funny cause I have like a bunch of notes within a, like a six page radius at the radius. I don't know. Span is the better word for that. Um, from like the beginning of the book and then a couple in the middle and then they're pretty well spaced out from there. Um, but I can knock out my first few notes pretty quickly here. If, if, if you will allow me to go first here. (laughs) Um, so my first, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five notes all take place in this chapter where we find out what's happening to Mick, Mickle, Mikiel, Michael, whatever you're supposed to call him. Yeah, I think I pronounced it Mikiel, but I don't know that that's I was right saying Mickle, but who knows? Mikiel sounds better than Mickle, so we can call him Mikiel. Um, and um, Arletty and Boy. <laughs> and now they're stuck on this island. Um, my first note was page 19. Are we thinking Boy will have a real name by the end of the book? Or his part of the book? And then on page 19 to 20, I was like, oh, they're becoming a cute little family. And then I was like, and then on page 20, they're trying to decide on giving him a name besides Boy. So immediately my question from page 19 was being answered. And then I just thought it was really funny, that whole little interchange where Arletty was like, we can give him a name that has ill in it because that's what happens in um Lorthrod um and then she's like we couldn't even boil and and then um Mickle that's also why I was calling him Mickle because Uh, boil um but whatever you know who knows is the short answer um, but then he's like, no, we can't name him Boyle because then he's going to think we're going to cook him and I was like, that's cute um (laughs) And then, and then for some reason, the name that the boy, they let him pick his name, right? Um, and he picks Gilboy. <laughs> and I just, like, <laughs> I cracked up because all of a sudden I was picturing him as, like, a superhero. And I was like, right? here comes Gilboy! <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I totally had the same thought of, like, he's some, like, Aquaman sidekick or something. Right. <laughs> Yep. And then my last one is on page 24, where we've realized that years have now passed. And uh, Mickle and Arletty are, have fallen in love. And this one is just another one of those like weird nuance things that popped into my head. But I'm like, so they've been intermittently, at least, if not regularly, sleeping together on this island. I think you're having the exact same thought that I have written down. And so I was and I was like, so this is my note. How did they not have more kids? Did they just happen to land on a deserted island that also had the right herbs to keep her from getting pregnant? And it was like, can she get pregnant? Can Mickle get pre- get her pregnant? I was like, I have some very serious logistical questions. <laughs> oh yeah. 
So these are my, my first two notes were, oh, I didn't think we would see Mickle again, was my first thought. So yeah. I was very excited about that, though you get kind of sad seeing like what their life was and the fact that years passed by when they were on this Although island. they seem to make the best of it. They seem content, that's yeah. true. But then my, my very next note is, why haven't we gotten pregnant yet? <laughs> So we had the ex- I was age. like, I'm sorry, it has been eight years. Like, and certainly, maybe it's a fertility issue, you know? Like, you know, it's certainly possible. And I was like, but I'm like, what are the odds that they would land on the exact right island <laughs> that had the exact right herbs for her not to get pregnant? I was like... And for her to know what they were. Right, exactly. I was like, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> I'm glad we were on the same page with that. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, so then my next note jumps a little bit, actually. Not a ton. It's about 25 pages. Um, what about yours? You know I don't oh, yeah. note uh, pages at so all. My, I, just, like, so I literally next... just have a jumble in my reminders. I don't know why I use my reminders instead of my notes mm-hmm. on my phone, but I do. So it's just my, I have like one giant reminder that just has sentence upon sentence upon sentence upon sentence of all of my notes. Uh, do you like so that's make I a space first though? It's literally just one giant <laughs> reminder. Like, you know how you have like, you can create multiple reminders no it's just one giant for all of the books we've read no each one gets there oh, okay good I was like that would be very confusing <laughs> but it already is really confusing because sometimes I think of something as I'm reading that happened previously so mm-hmm. it's not even like in time like logical order or anything like that uh so that's why sometimes I have to jump around okay. when we talk Interesting. But my next note was commenting on some of the animals that she interacts with, which okay. I that'll be highly, before my next note chronologically. Okay, yeah, I highly enjoyed. Highly enjoyed. I really enjoyed. <laughs> Let's try that again. Let's try some proper English. Uh, I don't know the different animals that she interacted with. I know I said like last book that that was my favorite part about the book. So obviously I continued to really enjoy that interaction of her not really talking to the sea animals because she's so out of it, but she can still, you still get their thoughts. Right. um, Which I just thought were hilarious. And again, still really aligned with the personalities of the different animals right mm-hmm. you got like sea lions and dolphins and whales and all of them spoke really differently and had completely different personalities which i love yes i loved the fact that the dolphins looked down on the seals like i just thought that it right. was <laughs> so funny that they that they were like oh i'm so sorry you were with those dumb seals or sea lions or whatever i think they were sea lions i don't Recall, but either way, like, I just, <laughs> I just love how they were like, we're so much smarter. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, so my next note is also about one of the animals, but it's at the point where she gets rescued and is on a ship 
being tended to. Okay. So, so that's after some of my next ones. Okay. Um, because my next one was about Gunnet. Um, and it was really just, is Gunnet the next peddler? Like, is he the next agent? And then I was like, is that why Peddler wants him? And then very shortly afterwards, that was pretty much answered for me. So <laughs> in that, it it it's not certain, but something about him, Peddler knows that he needs him with him. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I had a couple of those notes where, like, I would ask a question or two, and mm-hmm. then, like, a page or two later, that question or thought would be answered. Yes. So then I would be like, oh, yeah, look at that. Look what happened. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Um, so my next note is also around the time that she is on the boat. So if you want to talk about yours, and I can talk about, I've got, like, three that are all about in about that time frame. Yeah, I have a couple um, in that area, too, and some of them were as I turned the page, reacting to something that I, basically what I just said about my comments is happening right here. But first of all, I just wanted to comment on how hilarious the cat is on (laughs) this boat and how he was just totally willing to lap up all of this ink um, to hide it for Cerulea and she's like well no this isn't good for you and he's like don't you worry I throw up all the time I have like my favorite spots on the ship to go throw up so like don't even worry about it your highness like I got this yeah oh absolutely (laughs) and it's so funny because I have never like I have never full-time lived with a cat who vomits all the time but there are certainly just some cats that are more prone to, like, hairballs and, like, vomiting than other cats. And, like, they certainly do seem to have, like, favorite places to vomit, which I think See, is... I didn't know that was a thing. I like, So when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, that is so funny. Like, <laughs> and just, like, his nonchalance about it, like you were saying, was just, like... Like, it was just, like, perf- like, you know, chef's kiss perfection. I was just like, oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> I totally agree. The cat was hilarious. Yeah. So, do you need to do, like, all your next ones in a row? Um. So, there's a little bit of a jump page number-wise okay. in my next ones. So, my first thought was, and this was, I think, basically right when she's ended up on the ship, But my first thought was, so if Cerulea wakes up when she's still on the ship with Mikkel, Mikkel, Uh whatever his name is, um, will she know it's her uncle and will he recognize her? So, like, she obviously will have a better chance of recognizing her uncle because he'll have changed less since she last saw him than she would have. And that was my biggest... Um, that was, like, my biggest question when they were first getting together, or, like, you know, being in the same space together. So, for me, that wasn't even a question. I was, like, just waiting for her, for them to recognize each other. If, 
even if she didn't wake up, he was in the room. Right. And I, it was just an assumption that I made <laughs> that they would recognize each yeah. other. So then literally my comment is, um, and I think this was at the point where they then separated, mm-hmm. um, that I wrote, damn it. Why couldn't Cerulea and Mikkel found out about each other? Like, how could they have crossed paths, yes. been on the same ship, and yet they didn't know so my, it's so funny, they my... were there? And then I have, you know, multiple comments after that as, you know, they re- they reveal more information right. about, you know, realizing um, who was who. Yeah. So my next note, that's so funny, because my next note is basically the same thing as yours. Uh, my next note is on the page where he has gotten her onto the ship that's going to take her to where the healers are. And she's like, she's like floating off. And then Arletti is talking to him and she's like, I worried about her. So I gave her the coin and, and the queen's dagger. And of course we all know that it's her mother's dagger. And we're like, and I literally just, (laughs) I literally just wrote, God damn it. (laughs) And then I wrote, they were so fucking close. <laughs> and then my next note on page, it's page 99 when, um, when he starts to realize who that was. <laughs> and then he realizes that that was his niece. And I'm like, about damn time. <laughs> I was like, come on. A little too yeah. late, sir. <laughs> I literally, I had multiple sentences in a row in my you know conglomerate of notes so I first had the like dang it how could they not know it was them and then I was like the next sentence is oh okay 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 Nicole is needed elsewhere and at least now he knows afterwards that that was her oh see that that, for me that was too little too late I was like no (laughs) yeah but then so I don't know if you caught something that I didn't, but I had a big question as to how she knew that that dagger and jewels were given to her by her uncle. Because that was something that was revealed a little bit later. Um, I can't remember exactly when, but it mentions that she somehow knows that yeah, that's that's interesting because now that you say that, I of course am realizing that like she's like, and I have the headband given to me by my by our Letty and my uncle or whatever, and yeah. so I guess I just assumed because I knew that it was from them, like I didn't think much about it, um, but of course now that you mentioned that, let's assume that she left her little note. <laughs> she, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because. You'd think if she had recognized them, she would have said something while she was... Well, she was so fevered, you know, like... Yeah, so then you question whether she would have even known that that was them. Like, even if she didn't say anything, was she aware enough to recognize her surroundings and who that was? And I guess the only thing that I can think of is maybe she actually was, so she did know it was him while she was there, but she was just so fevered and whatever that she couldn't get it out or didn't 
make us aware that she knew yeah. who they were until later. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Cause that's, yeah, that's, that's the only thing that I can think of. Weird. I did not even pick up on that. Of course, until you just mentioned that, but now of course I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause of course we had the information. So I think my brain was just like, yeah, of course that's who it's from. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. No, I, yeah. Hmm. I have some interesting hmm. thoughts every now and then. <laughs> I think you have interesting thoughts all, all the time. Every single thought oh. you have. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <clears throat> um, let's see. What is my... Oh, my next note is just really cute. Um, or I thought it was really cute, uh, but it sort of jumps out of that time frame. I don't know if you have any more from around there. I don't think so. So my next one, um, has jumped, we've, we've jumped back to Persia, Stalia, and Tillam, and Marco, and I was like, called it! <laughs> I knew it! Um, so I felt pretty proud of that but of course it was pretty obvious in the other book like he never looked yeah. at girls until he saw this one I was like okay cool yeah. so my next note was actually about that too um and yeah but my note my only note about this little part of it so it's the part where um Stalia has made the sashes for the duke and she made one for Marco and then he just he pretended not to know how to tie it so that Persia would tie it for him and I was like Oh my god, that's so cute. And then I had this, like, it was a very fleeting thought, but I was like, I hope he's not like his father. And then I was like, no, because we've already seen him in the other book, and we've seen him, you know, and then of course, as we continue to see him through here, he, at least right now, does not appear anything like his father. So I'm really glad about that, but I'm still a little bit nervous. (laughs) That's interesting because I didn't think that at all in terms of um him being like his father like I never questioned that yeah like he's so completely different but what I thought about Marco and his dad as soon as Marco told Matwick Mm -hmm. that he was going to marry Persia I just got this like visceral reaction like in my body of like oh shit Oh, yeah, like, I have a note. They're never going to get married. Oh. He's going to kill her. Oh, yeah. Or somehow separate them. But now that you just told your father, why did you have to tell him? Mm-hmm. Like, everything was fine until you did this, and now you're never going to get married ever, and your bride's <laughs> going to die. I have a note here, too. I said, is Matwick going to have Persia killed or ruined? A year is a long time, right? Because he barters for that year between the engagement and... um. Exactly. And the wedding. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, she's... And then, of course, because I was so hoping for a reunion, I was like, she is going to die. She's not going to see Cerulea again. This is, like, I was just... <laughs> I, I spiraled a little bit, you know, like exactly. it was... Exactly. How can you not? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was so nervous. Um... But thankfully it was fine. Um, I had a little, I had a couple notes sort of in between those two notes. So the first one was on page like 141 of the paperback um, is our sort of our first mention of 
these mysterious fires that are popping up all over the place. And so my first thought was, is Pozar, um, what did I write down? Causing these mysterious and random fires. Like, is the spirit himself the one who's doing this? Or is it people who are working for him? Or is it, like, what... Oh, how is it? Here, here are my assumptions. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I just, I think that's the theme. I just keep having these assumptions throughout this book. I was like, yeah, of course it's Pozar. Just like, I can't remember if this is the first example of where some event like this happens. And you're like, the only explanation is to have one of the spirits causing this weather that seems, or, you know, something that's out of, yeah ordinary and i just immediately am like duh spirits obviously yeah (laughs) so i don't think i should be making those assumptions well i mean clearly in this case it was the right assumption because later when we find out more about them and we find out about these earthquakes that are happening that shouldn't be happening and this tornado that has never been seen in this area before like then of course it's much more obvious but when in this first one it's just like in in passing he's thinking about these fires that are popping up left and right. And so that was my first thought. I was like, interesting, what is that? My next note comes from the next page, actually. Um, <clears throat> on one forty, <clears throat> On page 142. Um, oh my god, you're British. How did that happen? <laughs> I know. It's... <laughs> What do I need to do to do to I know. become British to you just have to, an awesome accent? You just have to cough like that. <clears throat> and then you it just happens. Um, so it's and it, But it's also a continuation of these thoughts that he's having um, to himself as he's... Whatever he's doing, walking through the castle or whatever. Um, and it's him being... Um, like... So it starts with, on page 141, it's like, Matwick experienced a certain sentimental regret when Tyrannella passed away. Not when he murdered her, which he did. Like, Oh, I know. Him in this book just <sighs> gives me the chills and makes me so angry. And yeah. I can't figure out, like, what kind of personality... Is it a narcissist that has, like, no regret and, like, no feeling for other people? Like, no, that that's, that's, like, or... psychopath or... Okay. So, I don't... Uh, sociopath. I don't know what the correct terminology is, but it's... I think narcissistic personality disorder. I, <clears throat> I'm apparently now a doctor. Um, <laughs> I think that could also probably be classified under that, but, like kind of more extreme than that yeah because he's because not i again i am speaking out of what little information i have i don't like it's the fact that he's killing people is a little bit more than i think just like narcissistic personality right but like i don't i am not a doctor i don't (laughs) please don't please don't come here for any sort of medical advice (laughs) Just that is something we cannot provide. Not you know? something I ever would have thought that I'd be saying on our book podcast, but just in case we are not doctors, don't <laughs> don't listen to our medical advice. Um, and then so then my my next note here is on 
like I was saying on page 142 and he's talking about, or he's like thinking about Tiranella and he's like, her status was as high as I could reach as a young man. Now, however, I'm in a completely different position. I'll have my pick of the most highborn people or women in Wirendale and I will choose more wisely a second time. And then he starts thinking like her hair is going to be pure amber, no brown in her hair. Like she's going to be the cream of the crop. And then he says something that literally sent me into a rage. He he's, he thinks to himself, um, um, however, because he was loyal to a fault, he would insist that his second wife respect Marco's claims as firstborn. And I was like, loyal to a fault? I'm sorry, sir. Your delusional ass led a whole coup against the queen. <laughs> I was like, you're loyal? Loyal to who? Yourself. That's who you're loyal to. You're not loyal to a fault. I was, <laughs> I was like sitting, like having a whole argument with this character in my head that he couldn't hear, of course, because he's fake. But I, <laughs> and I'm getting a little heated again. But I was like, he is fully delusional. Like he, like he, like we already knew. Like he is just. He's dan like he's he's dangerously delusional, which of course we already knew, but like it was that's, just that's exactly what I was thinking. Like he is it's not even that he's making things up that's for other people. The really scary part. Yeah, it's that his own thoughts about himself like are not true and not yeah. real yeah like and, he's like he's, yeah that's what what he believes about himself yeah is i think the really scary part i know it's it's but it also makes for reading his chapters really interesting right like because yeah. <laughs> um in like a really kind of scary way <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting but scary at the same but nerve-wracking um um, and then my next note was, is Matt Wick going to have Persia killed? Mm-hmm. Um, and then my next one jumps quite a ways till when, uh, Cerulea is in the healing house with the other people who are healing. So if you have anything before that, let's chat about that. Okay. Yeah. So I have one note that's kind of, I guess technically it stems from prior to this when, the agent of um, one of the spirits then becomes Mikkel. He becomes the new agent for, I forget what the spirit of the La, ocean La, is. Lauten, La, La, that's right. Lauten, yeah. Uh, and it just made me think, like, why are the agents why don't the spirits choose people who are in power to be their agents so that they can actually like follow through and make bigger changes that are necessary that the spirits want instead of having to have those agents influence other people to influence other people to then get about the change that the spirits want to occur. Um, like, it would be so much easier if they chose rulers of the countries that they technically, would it be? you know, but like, that's the thing, right? Is would it be because in choosing people who aren't the rulers, they're choosing people who can move around more, who have more freedom to 
interact with more people um, and who aren't as closely watched. That's true. So they can get things, they can get shit done. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess that's, that's fair. You know, like, it just, it, it, of course, it would make sense to do somebody who already has power, but sometimes that can hinder as much as help. That's very true. Okay, I guess I hate real jealous arguments now. You changed my mind. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, so my next note, yeah. you're going to have to help me remember what the order is, if your note is next or if my note is next. So my next note is about the Raiders um, going back to the free states. So I can't remember if that's before or after when Cerulea gets to that healing house. I don't know if it's before or after, but it's definitely before... Um, it's after, technically. We can certainly talk about it, though. It just means I'll just jump to my notes about that, and then I can come back to this. Let me go in chronological order. Okay. And if I'm wrong about this, then sorry, everyone. <laughs> I think I think I'm right. So, um, again, like in the last one, I kept track of my levels of crying and how many times it happened. Uh-huh. Um, and this note is my first um, teary-eyed one. I didn't, like, fully cry, but definitely there were tears in my eyes. Um, and it was uh, Cezero's death. Um, Um, like I just, it was so touching. It was so sweet. Him making her promise that she would go find the man who killed him, um, to protect her. Um, I loved all the talk about honor and like, I thought that was just a fascinating, um, I thought it was like a fascinating, uh, tidbit about, um, like his people and like another fascinating facet of all of this world bit building that Sarah Kozlov has done and like how intricate, like, like we've mentioned before her, the swear words are for the each individual place or, mm-hmm. um, the colloquialisms that they use, but like even, you know, she, it's every place has their own, like, belief patterns that are well I feel like well thought out and well laid out and I just just so I just I thought that was so stunning and and fascinating and I loved that whole thing um but yes that was my first instance of any sort of crying was that wow I feel like that's actually it was on page two. It was page two hundred and twelve. So I was about. Yeah. Ha- I was about halfway through. Yeah, that's pretty impressive <laughs> for you to um, not have gotten any tears before then. Um, and then it happened quite a few more times afterwards. There's <laughs> <laughs> so the second half of the book that was really. It heavy. got yeah. It got a little. It got a little bit heavier for me. Um, but my next note is just right after this, and the note okay. just says pillow exclamation point because I so of course I love dogs also but I also have a huge soft spot in my heart for horses 
And so this whole cute little interaction with this little fat white horse that she <laughs> she gets just I loved that her name was Pillow and like but this this part like I I I was almost teary-eyed. Like I didn't get teary-eyed, but like I could feel the prickles. Um <laughs> so she is riding her um and it starts, you know, uh, Phoenix felt clumsy on the mare. The saddle was a foreign design. The horse didn't come close to fitting her hips. Her legs were spread too widely for comfort or to grip to the mare's flanks. After only 10 minutes, her left shoulder and back started to ache fiercely. And then she starts thinking to herself, and she's like, my discomforts are real, but the true problem is, is that Pillow is not Cinder's. She's indifferent to me. She's just a horse plodding along with a rolling gait, and I'm like any other stranger she has on her back. There's no sense of connection and rightness. And then Pillow stops. Like, she stops moving. And she neighs loudly. And then, for the first time since she's begun her healing process, because she's finally gotten the go-ahead that her magic isn't tainted anymore, she taps into her powers. And the first thing that Pillow says to her is, One be not indifferent to your majesty. Thou art nay answering one. And she's like, excuse me <laughs> you're sitting here feeling all sad about yourself thinking that I'm the problem but you haven't even bothered to talk to me and I was <laughs> like that is so like but I just loved that she was so adamant about Cerulea hearing that that she like and I just loved um I just love that little interaction where she was like, excuse me, I'm not indifferent. You're just not listening to me. Like, <laughs> I just thought it was so cute. And also, I just, so I will admit, a lot of the dog names that we've been seeing in these books are not my cup of tea, but I am living for these horse names that we're getting, like syrup and dishwater and pillow and like I just I oh I yeah I loved dishwater and the fact that his nickname was Dish I know <laughs> or um the the one the one who bites everyone Susie what's her name yeah oh gosh um but, Susie something I can't remember but like. I'm I'm living for all of the horse names. <laughs> like I Yeah, should. I have to agree. That was pretty great. But I think we should also talk about the fact that she doesn't use her magic for like basically the first half of this book. And yeah. she thinks that she might not ever be able to use it again. I know, I was and so I, I was like, freaked out. I know, I was so scared for her that that might be the case. Um and it's interesting cuz I didn't have an inkling when healer um said there's a darkness in like there's a darkness in your eyes that um I can't quite pinpoint I had no inkling that that might be connected to actually so what I thought because of the line on the top of the book and what the back of the book says I figured the darkness was her internal demons that she was going to have to deal with and heal through and and it was really but like um when she, when healer comes back and sees her and says oh it's gone um because we know she's not fully healed yet both emotionally and physically mm -hmm. so 
so certainly I think it probably had something to do with with her mental uh, healing. But also, I think some spirit was messing with her a little bit. Yeah. Um, and probably Pozar, because he seems to be the culprit here, but <laughs> I don't know for yeah, sure. It was, it was hard for me to tell how much was just, yeah, like you said, her inner demons preventing her from accessing herself, really, and her true self, which would, for her, is her magic. Right. Um, or if it was because of the magic hitting her so forcefully and on so much of her body with fire yeah that some of that magic was like actually absorbed into her body and preventing her from accessing her magic i i don't know right it was hard to tell like what was literal versus just like a, a figurative representation of something else yeah absolutely but yes i was very scared that that was going to be a more permanent issue so I'm very glad that it was not um Uh I agree so my next note is after the raiders have arrived back at um suiterdom okay so that's when my next note is right exactly so why don't you go and then I will um so my uh, these two notes specifically are, um, about Eliana. Uh, and so my first note was, uh, it says teary-eyed number two. <laughs> um, Eliana going home. Um, and, and her decision to go home to her sister mm-hmm. and mother. <laughs> and I was teary-eyed almost immediately. And then I did have this fleeting thought, like, mostly for her sake, like, couldn't you have come to that conclusion before you sailed for months across the ocean? Because now, my poor sweet girl, you're going to have to sail by yourself months all the way back. You know, like, I was like, you would have, like, you would have saved yourself so much time. And like, Mm -hmm. but of course, she had to come to the conclusion when she came to the conclusion. Like it just, that's how it sort of had to happen. Um, and then that led into full on crying as she started saying her goodbyes a couple pages later or a page Mm -hmm. later. Um, because Alex, as you know, and as maybe I've mentioned before, if I haven't, I'm going to tell you now. And if I have, I'm going to tell you again. Um, sometimes I have a harder time with, um, people who, will never like who are both alive or who are all alive and will never see themselves each other again versus like flat out dying (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it just and it's just so heartbreaking but especially in situations like this where they have been through so much together so much pain and suffering and um and and then they'll never you know there's even that little part where Tristo's like do you think we'll ever see her again? And Thalen's like, no, I don't, I don't think we will. And I, that like broke me. <laughs> I was like, no. Um, so I made a little note and I was like, I hope somehow that they will. But I think mostly it's just some wishful mm-hmm. thinking on my end. 
but oh that was that was a little rough patch for for little old me (laughs) yeah I I wasn't really as affected by that what really got to me during this part of the book was when Gusty died yeah literally the night before the Raiders got there and could have basically prevented her from dying and the fact that her and Quinneth who was it yeah Quinneth could have been reunited and yeah just I was like are you kidding me like why did she have to die there's no reason it was so it's so interesting for her to die yeah so it's so interesting I um I instead of feeling angry at her, or sad at her death um, I felt angry and I felt a little bit angry at the author. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I was like, first of all, it was so, su- I wrote down, um, is so sudden and startling. Something doesn't feel right. You know, like very clearly it mentions her final moments. Like she's, she's dead, but I was like, this doesn't, and, but it doesn't feel right based on what we know about gusty, like, she's this amazing fighter, and she has already been through so much. Like, in theory, the fact that what she was being asked to do, like, not that it's not difficult and awful, but, like, it it seemed strange that that would be the thing that would push her over the edge and, like, make her vomit. And, like, because she'd already been forced to serve the uh commander you know like sexually like so she like she's already mm-hmm. been in this like it it just felt so strange and it was such like a 180 like it felt like a 180 turn that I like didn't even have time to process that she was dead and like feel sad about it because like, immediately I was like what the what the fuck like <laughs> yeah I had a very similar reaction I was like wait no she can't be dead she was just alive. No, how did? Uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Not yeah. I was. It was. I. It felt. You know, and they like, and of course, it. It felt this way. We haven't read the last book. Maybe it will all make sense in the last book, but like, there's this whole notion of like, don't kill characters just to kill them, like for shock. Kind of felt like it for shock for- value, and that's what this felt like. Which of course. Maybe something will explain that later. Maybe she's not really dead. Maybe, like, who knows, like, what the real thing is here. But it felt like just killing a character for shock value. And I, it just didn't feel right. <laughs> Which is why I wrote, something doesn't feel right. <laughs> Which just might be, like, a me f- <laughs> feeling, you yeah. know? But, like, yeah, it was no, so... I agree. Uh, I don't know that it was, like, something doesn't feel right, but more so, like... Why did this have to happen? Yeah. There's, is there a reason behind this? Like, this doesn't make sense. Um, but then another thought that I had that goes back to our continual discussion that we've had over these past couple of books in this series of different plot lines and points of view mm-hmm. and how it can be great sometimes and other times it really sucks. Yeah. Is one of the things that occurs is you get to really get inside of the heads of a lot more characters, yeah. even if they are technically like supporting. Right, roles. right, right. And so when 
a supporting role dies, you are much more heavily impacted by it because you have gotten to know more about them and their story and feel more of their emotions versus having a plot line where you have the perspective really of one or two characters Mm -hmm. and then you don't get that same just like level of understanding of the rest of the supporting cast. So someone's death just really doesn't have that like same level of impact on you. Right. The other thing, but the the thing that really made, really made me feel like something is off was the fact that two pages later, we also find out that mother Relia is dead, like out of the Mm -hmm. blue, like, like I'm worried about, spies inside the defiance like i'm worried about like like something feels off like something that's interesting because i don't think i even questioned their two deaths happening at the same time i was yeah. just like oh wow that really sucks for the defiance like are they going to be able to get their shit together yeah I didn't even and now that you're saying this I'm like how did I not question right like it just it it felt like it just and that's the other thing is like I hardly knew mother Relia like I wasn't sad at her death but and it was just like oh she died two days ago oh I'm sorry how did she die she like was in relatively good health it seemed in the you know like Mm -hmm. so even if I hadn't already been feeling like something wasn't right after Gusty's death, the fact that all of a sudden Mother Relia was also dead, I was like, um... (laughs) Um... So, yeah, that was... I'm, I'm interested to see if anything comes of that or if it's just she just died, you know? Like, because certainly that could have happened too. Like, she could have gotten sick or... Yeah. choked on her dinner like who knows like <laughs> freak deaths happen like you know so maybe it's just a weird coincidence I did have one little note that was kind of before this and it's kind of okay. jumps a little bit out of it but I think it um, is important to mention so in these in in these split chapters every time Cerulea has been in a new place the chapter just calls her the name that she's given herself whether it's Ren or or uh, Skylark, or Finch, or Kesp, like, whatever, it refers to her as that. We have a chapter where she decides that she has to go back to Warendale and Cascada, and then immediately in her next chapter, it refers to her as Cerulea again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, snap. I was like, <laughs> I had this moment. I know you've seen it. But in you know in the Princess Diaries, where the principal oh is sitting at the table and she gets the phone call and she's like, "Come down, yep, yep," and then she puts it down. And she goes, "The queen is coming." <laughs> that's like that's the <laughs> that's what came to my mind the first time I saw that. I was like, "The queen is." <laughs> oh my gosh! The queen so is coming. Cool. My family and I actually just watched Princess Diaries two all together a couple nights ago. I was really surprised that both my dad and brother. We're okay with it. My sister chose it as the family movie night. Yeah. Oh, so good. I would not mind if they made a third one. I'd be all for that. Right. But 
that is such a an accurate representation of like there was such hope in my heart and I was, yeah i was like the queen is coming <laughs> and i just i was just so excited that that was sort of the next but I, I thought it was really interesting and such a cool narrative tool that the author has used exactly. because because she could have very well been like and when she was in this city, she called herself Kestrel and then continued to refer to her as Cerulea, right? But, like, no, she chose each of these times to refer to her as this persona she was taking on. And finally, when she stepped back into herself, she, you know, like, I just, I thought it was such an interesting and brilliant tool for the author to be using. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I got chills and I got so excited. And I was like, the queen is coming. <laughs> To grow high school. I completely agree. <laughs> um, so my next note then jumps out past um, the Raiders coming back to the Free States. Um, and it's uh, it goes back to Persia and the attack. Okay. Um, my note was, fuck, I knew she wasn't safe! Exclamation point. <laughs> And that was such an intense panic inside of me during that whole scene that she was going to be killed or that like her nine-year-old brother was going to be killed or her mother was like, I was just, there was so much anxiety inside of me during that part. (laughs) But I was like, I couldn't even relish in the fact that I was right because I was so scared. <laughs> yeah, it's almost kind of miraculous that no one died. Yeah. You know, I feel like any time that kind of thing happens in a book, someone is going to die. Right. Like, if you don't get that happy ending of that yeah. portion. Well, Alex, there's so... unfortunately, there's still a whole other book, so... <laughs> But at least, I mean, like, in that instance, yes. the fact that they yes. were all okay, yeah. I feel like that hardly ever happened. Oh my gosh, I know. I was very happy by at the end of that when they were all alive and safe. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but yes, I was like, I knew it! Um, <laughs> do you have anything ab- around that? No, my next notes. Um, we've either either talked about already or it's at like the very end of the book. So. Okay. So my next notes <laughs> go back to the boat that Cerulea and Cielo are on when they're coming back. Um, my first note was on page 314 and I have to read it to you cause I can't, I can't get the nuance of the sentence down, <laughs> but, uh, Cerulea says something to Cielo and he responds to her. <clears throat> oh, so she asked him to train her to fight, right? Yeah. And she's like, and I'll pay you 20 coins less. And he says back... Yes, he, I love this part. And he, sa- and he says back to her, no, never would I such foolishness say, he responded laughing. And I had to reread that sentence like four times. And then this is literally the note that I wrote. Cielo talks like Yoda and is teaching her kind of like Yoda. <laughs> and then my next note is, I promise this all ties together. My next note is 
when they sleep together. And I was like, what? Where the hell did that come from? Because it felt like it was way out of left field. And then my note literally says, Yoda would not do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, am I alone? And think like that, I mean, I'm fine that it happened, but did it feel like it felt like it was totally out of left field, right? Or was I not, or was I missing something? Some like underlying tension between the two of them. Like I wondered if Phelan was going to be replaced and I was a little anxious until... (laughs) They then only had a one night stand because I thought there was potential for them to be like more than well. That. Let me tell you. So in that moment, when they were like, you know, and he was a fantastic lover or whatever she said, and I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like I was, I was so, and I was also still reeling from because I had been thinking of him like Yoda, and I was like, Yoda would not do that. This is not Yoda. <laughs> um. <laughs> And then I had this, I did, I also had this moment that you just said where I was like, oh, I'm not mad about the coupling. It just felt like strange. And I was like, I could see this becoming something kind of beautiful. And then, of course, immediately it was like, and just kidding. And then she even says, like, he's not even the one I really wanted. And I was like, oh, she misses Thalen. Of course she does. And I think it's because I had this idea in my head and I hope that it's true that they're that Cerulea and Thalen are going to be reunited at some point. So that I think I had that so securely in my head that I wasn't even looking at the possibility of her finding someone else. So it like it just didn't even cross my mind that she could find someone else. And I was I was totally blown away by the fact that she was sleeping with someone else which is totally like like I said it's fine and great and like whatever like you do you girl but like (laughs) I just thought it was totally out of left field (laughs) yeah I I would have liked to see them actually have a relationship I think yeah I mean like I'm still team Phelan and like I want that to happen for both Cerulea and Thalen at some point yeah but you can have multiple relationships in your life. And True. I like Cielo and thought he brought out some good parts of her yeah. personality. And well, I think there's that... definitely still potential, right? Because yeah, he, he didn't go anywhere. You know, he's still, he's going to wait around, even though she, you know, has released him from his duties. Um, so... Um, you know, we'll see, I guess. Exactly. Sure. Who knows? Um, so my next notes are about some re- 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 reunions. What are what are your next notes about? They're at the very end of the book. Okay. I kind of stopped taking notes, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So my next note is um, Cerulea reuniting with Persia, Stalia, and Tellum. Um, mm-hmm. It was my second instance of... Oh, I'm so sorry. Did I tell you my first instance of real crying was 
No, I don't think so. <clears throat> okay. So it was back when Eliana was leaving. I got teary-eyed when she first was like, I'm going back home. And then I started really crying when they were all saying their goodbyes. And when Tristo... Oh, gotcha. Okay. And when Tristo I was... Think you, I think we talked about that. And but you I just said didn't... how that really rips you apart. <clears throat> right. But you didn't mention that you I, were really crying. I cried. I cried. That was my first instance of crying. My second okay. instance of crying was, like, full... Not sobbing, but, like, just full constant tears running down my face was her reuniting with her her family you know and um and in the fact that they don't blame her for Willem's death because I was so worried about that um and so I was it was such a relief that she actually got like I said why this is one of my favorite parts was because she actually got to have they all got to have that wonderful reunion of seeing each other and being happy and nobody was like, it's your fault. He's dead. You know, like, and even when she said like, like when it's like, she's starting to put the pieces together that it happened so close to them. They're like, hold on, don't blame yourself. Like this is, you know, you know, so I was, um, that made me cry. Now what made me sob like snot coming out my nose, multiple tissues, was Nana and Cerulea uh-huh. seeing each other again. It just, I, because like I mentioned, I think in the last one, in the second book, I was like, I hope mostly that Nana lives long enough to see Cerulea again. And she did. Uh-huh. And I just, it was beautiful. And I, but I just sobbed like a baby. <laughs> like, I just... Yeah. <laughs> I... So my note about that reunion was basically, I was like, of course they put her back in her old I room. know! And I was like... they send Nana to go assist her. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Just the like, iron, like, you... yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, but also, I was really, like, in my head chastising a lot of the decisions that Cerulea made at the very end, like, getting rid of Cielo and saying, I'm going out on my own, with basically no plan. She's just like, <laughs> I'm going to go to the palace. Let's get into the palace. Yeah. I was like, you have spent all this time, and all of these people have spent all this time getting you back here. Yeah. And now you're just gonna fuck it up by having <laughs> no plan and attempting to sneak into the palace mm-hmm. and something's gonna go wrong instead of biding your time and staying in Cascada and doing some reconnaissance and it's, meeting up with other yeah. people and you know It's interesting because finding... it does seem like she's going to be doing that now from within the palace. But she should have done it in Cascada outside of the palace because it's less dangerous outside of the palace. I don't know that that's necessarily true. What, what with all of his uh, people traipsing know. around. It just seems like <laughs> you should not be going to the palace by yourself. This is a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is certainly it almost inevitably is probably a bad idea. <laughs> but... If she hadn't gone to the palace, she wouldn't have seen Nana. <laughs> That's very true. And so, you wouldn't have had your two beautiful reunions. I know. Exactly. So there's that. I did want to talk about Nana being a badass and killing that lady. I was like, 
what? <laughs> um, and not just any lady, but like his betrothed, right? Wait, I thought Cerulea kills her. What? I thought it was Nana. Did I get confused? No, Cerulea. Cerulea killed her, and Nana just like helped her hide the body. Well, okay, she can still be a badass. That's fine. That's really funny because that, of course, makes... Okay, so that that was my other note, was also, how did she do that? Yeah, no, because Cerulea took the catamount knife. Yeah. And she yeah. killed her, but Nana was in the room. I think I think I was... Um, the room where it happened. The, the room, room where it happened. <laughs> um, I think that... Um, that's really funny that I mixed that up. Um. Yeah, I'm not really sure how you did, but. I don't, I'm not really sure how I did either. Um. Yeah, I'm like 99.5% positive that. Can I tell you, so I think what happened, I don't know how, but I think what happened was when the lady, like, went to grab her towel off her head. And then she, I, I don't know how I got that wrong. I'm trying to make sure that I got it right. No, you definitely did. It's because, I think it's because, so the part here, I can read it. I, I found it. It's, okay. so she yanks the towel off of Cerulea's head and immediately is like, it's you. No, guards, guards, right? And then it starts with Nana rushed into the room at the moment of revelation, clasping her hands over Lolethia's mouth from behind to muffle her scream. The the duchette bucked and twisted vigorously. She was a big woman and terror made her strong. She tried to twist away from Nana and she fought to wrench herself away from Cerulea's instinctive grasp on her arms. And then it, plain as day, says <laughs> Cerulea let go and dove for the catamount dagger. Um, and then she guarded by the hilt, pulled it free of its scabbard, and rose on her toes to drive it straight into her jugular. But I think, <clears throat> I think in all the excitement, I just missed. You just kind of glossed over that. <laughs> I think I just, I think I just missed who grabbed the dagger. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think because I, I think it, in my head, it was like Cerulea's holding her arms, so she kept holding her arms, and Nana don't like it. Just made more sense in my mind, um, um, but I was wrong. So Nana's still a badass, but not cool, <laughs> not quite as a, big of a badass as I thought she was. <laughs> That's fair. Although. I love that they had this whole plan. They were like, how are we going to, like, how are we going to show that this was not us? And they were like, we're going to put her in this guy's bed. Ooh. Like, (laughs) that she'd been flirting with the night before. Right. Definitely. That's hilarious that I mixed that up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, note to yeah, self. So Nana, Nana's still a badass, but... <laughs> In a different way than I thought she was, which is totally fine. I still adore her. Note to self, Ellen, read more carefully. 
it's it's yeah. sometimes hard in those like intense situations when you're like, oh my god, what's happening next? And that was such a short sentence in between big paragraphs that I was like, well, we're just gonna. Oh yeah, I definitely do that. <laughs> like I end up skipping over words and sometimes sentences. Yeah. When one sometimes I realize that I'm doing that and I don't care because I just need to know what's happening. Right. Next. Or sometimes I don't realize what I'm doing. Yeah. And what I'm reading doesn't make sense. And then I'm like, wait, stop, calm down. Did you actually read everything? And see, everything made enough sense to me that clearly I was like, yep, that's what happened. Moving on. (laughs) Nana stabbed her in the throat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It makes more sense that Cerulea would have done it. Okay. Good point. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So that's, but that's all of my notes. What? Yeah, I think we also covered my final notes, too. Okay. So, wow. We did it. I know. It's interesting. So I had been really nervous to read this book um, because I was just worried about all the pain. And it was still, there was pain. (laughs) It was not an easy book to read by any means. But I was very glad that it was not quite as... um, I'm going to drag you down into the depths of this pain. <laughs> you yes, know, like I, I was agree. like they made a lot of good points and obviously I connected with it. Yeah. But yes, you're right that it wasn't just like this gut wrenching. Right. Beat you over the head with how awful this is. Right. Yeah. Like the, the darkness of the worst times wasn't to the extent that I had thought it was or it was but it it wasn't we didn't delve into it to the extent where it then became like too hard to bear and read through you know yeah exactly I was very very glad for that (laughs) because I was worried I mean I was still gonna read it but I was worried that it was going to be very hard extra tough Uh um So, um, I'm, uh, however, I will say I am very excited for the next book, but equally nervous. (laughs) That's fair. Um, and it's interesting because I'm nervous because she made it into the castle relatively easily. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I feel like the other... The rest of this just can't be that simple. Yeah, I was like, I feel like there's going to be another shoe uh, that's going to be dropping here. Right. Um, So, (sighs) I'm nervous. Any big predictions for the next book? My biggest prediction is Cerulea and Thalen are going to reunite. Yeah, I don't know that I have any predictions. Okay, okay. I think so. Well, that's acceptable. I like your prediction. I'll go with that, too. <laughs> yeah, right? Sure. We have the same prediction. Um, well, uh, be sure to join us next week while we talk about the final book in the series. Um, hopefully, it'll be a happy discussion. <laughs> um, and if you'd like to find us, we are on Twitter at the Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast, um, at UPM Pod Official. On Instagram, we're Uniquely Portable Magic Podcast. And my favorite, of course, is the Gmail. Email us. Tell us about the book. Tell us about your favorite characters. Suggest other books to us. You know the drill. Send us cute pictures of 
animals. Clearly, we like dogs and horses, but we will accept other animals as well. Um, and that's uniquely portable magic podcast at gmail.com. And we look forward to seeing you all next week. Bye. <laughs>